0: Good Monday morning, and welcome to Second City Sports Zoom style.
1: Zoom, Zoom, Zoom style.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am Jason Pfeiffer, and we have got a full show to go with you today. We thank you for joining us. Um, you can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter. You can follow the show's Twitter handle at 2ndcschi, and I will throw it to the lineup now. But before I do. I want to bring in our good friend Derek Tate, D. Tater Four, at D. Tater Four on the Twitter. Part of our fantasy focused crew that is at Fantasy Focused with two D's on the Twitter. Joining us in person on this Zoom style show. What's going on, Tater?
2: Well, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got their first win of the season. The Bears are two and zero, and we boy did we get some great football yesterday. So. This Monday morning quarterback version, I'm pretty, I'm pretty darn excited to uh, talk a little football with y'all. Thanks for having me again.
0: No problem. We're excited to have you. And before we get into it, go ahead, Lakina, start us off and introduce yourself.
3: All right. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter, at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram.
4: Hi, I'm Sydney Brown, aka Sid the Kid. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can download this podcast uh, on War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Everywhere you download your podcast, make sure you download Second City Sports along with our other fine programming from War Media. Also, don't forget to download the iHeartRadio app. Once you do that, make sure you search for War on Anchor. That's W A R R on Anchor. You can access this lovely program.
1: Lamont. Lamont. You can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram and Twitter.
0: All right. So we have got Derek for a few minutes. So let us run uh, the quick NFL gamut real quick. We're going to get into some fantasy talk as well before he gets out of here. But of course, here in Chicago, boy, did we have to hang on for another win. Um, comeback averted by the New York Giants, uh, thanks to a I don't know if you want to call it a goal line stance. I mean, they were pretty much going to score if they had any extra time left on the clock. But nonetheless, the Bears pull out the 17-13 to victory. They're going to get your reaction to it first, and then we'll go around the table with some NFL discussion. So uh, I don't know how much of the game you got to see, if any of it, but but what was your reaction? And, and the Bears are probably the least impressive 2-0 team at this point, don't you think? I mean – if you're ranking them, possibly, <laughs> but
2: I got to tell you, I, I'll take 2-0 and o through the first two weeks, no matter how you get to that destination. And it was, it's was it been an interesting way to get there. I mean, obviously, the, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky probably saved his starting job in week one with that 17-point comeback in the fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions. And really, you didn't have to deal with Saquon Barkley for the majority of this game. So you had Daniel Jones, who struggled, and really the offense... Uh, for the New York Giants, which looked pretty good in week one. The Bears, you know, put a speed bump in their attack through the air and, and did a fantastic job against him. But, you know, you've got to feel encouraged that the Bears are leaving a little bit of meat on the bone when it comes to their production on the offensive side of the football. And, if, you know, Mitchell Trubisky can just clean it up a little bit because I thought David Montgomery had one of his best games as a Chicago Bear in the National Football League. Averaged over five yards per clip on the ground. Also heavily involved in the passing game with three receptions for 45 yards and a tutty. So, if I'm a Bears fan, even though it hasn't been pretty, sometimes winning ugly is just the way you got to do things in the National Football League. So, you know, 2-0 is 2-0. Sid, Sid, what are your thoughts? I'm going to play the role of a
4: cynic slash pessimist. If you want to be real about this, which I'm going to go there. I'm gonna stick both my both my beautiful feet into the into the pool. The Bears should be 0 two. I'm not gonna review last week's game against Detroit. We did that a couple podcasts ago. Uh, regarding Sunday's game against the Giants, uh, besides uh, looking good in that first drive of the game, which you put up seven points, which included four four or four, four on third down, uh, you are not you were inconsistent throughout the whole game. You, your offense looked great in the first half. Uh, the second half you were shut out. Mitchell Trubisky, you still had some questionable throws there, especially in that fourth quarter where you, you sh- it should have been an interception which off the deflection was picked up by Bobby Massey. He got lucky right there. On the positive side, like you mentioned Tater, David Montgomery looked great behind the offensive line. The offensive line, I don't know, if they don't get enough credit. I don't know if they took a beating last year and rightfully so at times, but the offensive line looked great. The running game looked great. But on the flip side, um, Jimmy Graham was not involved yesterday. Anthony Miller, he dropped a touchdown, which could have put the game out of reach early, but that didn't happen. On the flip side, going back to the defense, I like Khalil Mack. He finally showed up yesterday. And Robert Quinn uh, made his presence felt yesterday, playing in his first game of the season. So uh, the, the problem I have with the Bears is inconsistency. And if you want to uh, go to that next level and become a playoff team, you got to put it together for fourth quarters because you got away with this against two bad teams. You facing an Atlanta team, uh who we'll get into later, but you facing better caliber teams and you try to uh, get away with stuff like that, it's gonna come and bite you in the backside.
3: I'll play the cynic, the, the, the total cynic for a second here. <laughs> Laquan Barkley unfortunately ended up tearing his ACL. He's gonna be gone for the year, which is such a tough break. We'll talk about all the injuries because seems like there's all the teams are snake bitten at the very least at this point this early on, but we all have our 30s, so we'll talk about that in a minute, but it, it's sort of one of those things where he was actually playing, running really well against that front seven. So, and also remember too, Grant Gano missed the field goal ending the first half. He was about a 58-yarder, which is sort of like, kind of like riding the edge on his usual career. You know, he's a veteran. He's been around a long time. So if they had made that and would not have had to if it gotten to the point where the Giants had the ball Late and they didn't have to depend on Daniel Jones to have to score a touchdown or you know leave this thing because remember you know Sterling Shepard you know got hurt and with a turf toe and mm-hmm. he ended up having to sell the rest of the game. So excuse me here, but yeah, listen, Dave Montgomery looked great despite you know I don't know whatever what that was I don't know if, you know, if he was a st- if it was a stinger if it was I don't you know he was able to come back and actually played a really good game. You know, the defense made the plays late, but, uh, again, you were able to get away with this against two bad teams. You know, the, the Lions, or we'll get to the Lions in a minute, and the Giants, you know, remember they lost a couple of their top offensive guys. So, sorry for not throwing bouquets at stuff that you should have done and should have blown out two really bad teams.
1: Okay. And I would – to agree with you, Jason, I wouldn't call them the worst 2-0 and team. But I will call them the luckiest 2-0 team. They're lucky to get away with two victories. Yes, David Montgomery did run better, as he would have ran last year we would have used him, but we didn't use him last year like that, to agree with Sid. Jimmy Graham, I don't know why he disappeared in the offense. Maybe he was doing too well. Sometimes I think the Bears purposely shoot themselves in the foot. Like It was working, so we're not going to go to it. So They seem to do that a lot, so that that's kind of frustrating. But Overall, I wouldn't say the worst two, but the luckiest two. And they will not continue to win games like this when they play better teams, like starting next week. I mean, it's going to get tougher.
0: Well, so, so slight correction there, Lamont. I didn't say worst. I said least impressive. And I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are the okay. least impressive 2-0 team, at least at this point, in my opinion. Uh, a couple of things I want to get to, too. I know we got you for a few minutes later, so we're going to get to some fantasy talk. Um, but but a couple of things. Very lucky on that on that that tip interception that wasn't that Bobby Massey caught. Um, but what the hell was the play call? How how are you? What was it? Third and one, and I think yeah. a, a pass play twice on third down and fourth down. I believe how that drive went. Yeah, I'm, and it's a triple and, coverage. And I'm I, I, okay. I, I, I get agreed. Okay, I won't not an argument there what you said. But I'm I'm looking at the play call first of all when you're running game was like we've all agreed and like we all saw, it was pretty good throughout the game. David Montgomery was getting going, especially in the second half, right? But you call two pass plays on third and fourth down. Don't get it, okay? Um, Jimmy Graham, I agree. He had one catch, I think, maybe for about a first down. I think I think I was in the first half. But, yeah, I, I mean, sort of disappeared. I'd have to look at the tape. I don't know if that's play calling. I don't know if that's scheme or what. But, uh, I, you know, I agree with that. He's got to show up. But outside of the FOMO recovery uh, from Khalil Mack, uh, he didn't really show up, guys. He, he, and he hasn't shown up for a while. I'm, 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 I'm not trying to get on him because I know he's dealing with a lot. He gets double teamed and almost triple teamed a lot. I understand that. But we need to see a little bit more of Khalil Mack um, making an impact. Love Robert Quinn making the immediate impact as well. But like you guys pointed out, I think that was you, said, Anthony Miller. Two drops. One was a touchdown, but he dropped one earlier in the game as well that I think was a first down. Um, but I think they ended up keeping that drive alive, if I remember correctly, anyway, in spite of that. So a lot of things to clean up from the Bears. 2-0, and yes, we'll take it, I guess, right? But, but again, not real impressive other than that running game. Um, Trubisky, I guess, to sort of end the thoughts, yeah, could have played better. Um, got to be more consistent. I mean, how how long have we been saying this, though, guys? You know, I'm, I'm not trying to, to strangle him either, but he's he's got to take that next step and be more consistent. Um, I don't think, well, he could have put the ball in a slightly better spot on that Allen Robinson interception, although that was a hell of a play. I mean, the guy didn't even really see the ball, kind of stuck his arm out there and caught it. That was a hell of a play, so but but could have placed that ball a little higher for Allen Robinson and the other interception was a tip. So other than that, uh, don't want to split hairs with Trubisky either, but 2-0, we'll take it. It won't work against Atlanta next week. So uh, let's broaden it out to some NFL discussion and get into some fantasy with Tater before he goes here. Obviously, other than the Bears here locally, it's all about injuries in the National Football League. And, and, and Tater, give us your reaction to that and, and some of the other results of the league from yesterday. I've never
2: seen anything like this. I mean, if it, it basically the first five or six picks of most fantasy drafts, uh, they're on the shelf. I mean, Michael Thomas from Week One. Now you got man Saquon Barkley who you know tore his knee up, and I, I, you just got to feel for him, man, because he's a generational talent. Like I, I love watching him play, regardless of whether I'm a I'm not a Giants fan, but I'm a fan of Saquon Barkley. So. Uh, then you got Christian McCaffrey, who's going to expect to miss multiple weeks with an ankle injury. And, and the, the list goes on. Raheem Mostert's dealing with a knee sprain. Uh, Cortland Sutton, you know, finally, you know, made his 2020 debut. And as soon as he made his debut, he's out now. But Taron, he's knee up for the, for the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke got hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. I mean, if I were to sit here and list him out, we I, it, the sun would set on today on how many injuries there were. It's, it's wild. But Um, You know, there's certainly now if you're if you're if you're a fantasy football aficionado, whenever there's injury, there is opportunity. So you just got to locate where those backups are and also make speculative ads like, you know, like somebody like Devonta Freeman. He's already been visiting with multiple teams. He's visited with the Philadelphia Eagles last week and just so happens to be in the northeast when Saquon Barkley is now out for the year. He is expected to meet and work out for the Giants. So someone like that, you go and pick him up. Stash him on your bench, and whoever he lands with, he probably gets an opportunity sooner rather than later. Yeah, Sid?
4: Tate, I want to ask you about uh, Tyler Higby, the tight end for the, from the Los Angeles Rams. Three oh, yeah. touchdowns yesterday at Philadelphia. Where did that come from,
2: and can you depend on him for the rest of the season? The answer to that is absolutely yes. So Tyler Higby is – I actually I had the. I'm, – I'm glad you asked me about him because I actually got to announce his high school football games Back in Tarpon Springs, Florida, at East Lake High School. This kid was a 6'5, 170-pound senior wide receiver that that's 170 pounds, soaking wet. And this kid has put on what, 70, 80 pounds of muscle since he, you know, his playing days in high school through college at Western Kentucky. And we saw him break out last year the final five games of the season. And most people didn't believe in it because, you know, it was like Robert Wood was kind of dinged up, Brandon Cooks was kind of dinged up, Gerald Everett, the other tight end there was also in and out of the lineup, but we saw it yesterday. Gerald Everett was active. Tyler Higbee just feasted on this Eagles defense. Uh, Five receptions on five targets, 54 yards, three tutties. Uh, Tyler Higby is going to be a huge part of this offense moving forward. Don't expect three touchdowns every week, but do I think he's Uh going to be a top six tight end for the rest of the season? Yeah.
3: Just to update on uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, Ian Rappaport's reporting that he has, he did in fact tear his ACL. So there's another um, fantasy casualty. Now, what, okay, with most are gone because I actually had him in my league, Derek. What other running backs out there that I, that I can get to put on my team?
2: Other running backs at this point, hopefully, if you've seen how things have played out there in Miami, it's actually been the Miles Gaskin show. Like, I know that's a way off the radar. Do you really want a Miami running back? But if you're desperate and you had someone like Saquon or Christian McCaffrey or Raheem Mostert, who's probably going to miss a couple weeks, I mean, you got to do something. You got to start somebody, right? So uh, I would go and get Miles Gaskin for the second straight week. He's led the Dolphins in touches and snaps out of that backfield, even though he's gotten vultured from somebody you guys are familiar with and Jordan Howard down there in Miami. Uh, he, Howard only played eight snaps, but, of course, punched in a goal line touchdown. But everything else has been pointing towards Miles Gaskin actually being the back to own there in Miami.
0: Lamont, you got anything?
1: Yeah, I was going to ask him. With the emergence of Justin Herbert in San Diego, should someone use him or try to pick him up? Or what do you think will happen with him going forward as far as fantasy league go?
2: You got to be very encouraged by your boy Justin Herbert's debut against the defending Super Bowl champions there uh, in Los Angeles. I thought it was—I thought he was effective. I thought that you saw some flashes of his athleticism. Uh, make no mistake, this this guy is going. He is a dual threat quarterback, fit for kind of the young wave of mobile quarterbacks in the National Football League. He fits that mold very much so, and really. It's un- its kind of an unfortunate set of circumstances that w- what happened with Terod Taylor this weekend. I believe he had breathing complications, if I'm not mistaken, which actually led to Justin Herbert getting the surprise start. But you know, it's—it's it's a next man up type of league in the national in the in the NFL, and he was ready for his opportunity. He shined out. I would definitely go and pick up Justin Herbert if you know and see how he progresses because it was a very encouraging debut against you know the defending champs.
0: Okay. Sticking Taylor, with uh, that, go ahead, Sid, Go ahead, Fred.
4: Okay. Sticking with the quarterback thing, Tater. I've been telling every, any and everybody who will listen to me that Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals will be a top ten fantasy quarterback in twenty twenty through the first two games. He's been on fire. Do you uh, do you see him
2: um uh, giving getting even hotter as the year goes on? This is a machine they have going down there in Arizona, and I don't see it stopping. And you look at their schedule upcoming. Who? I mean, Kyler Murray is going to eat against opposing defenses. I expect Kenyon Drake to be a little bit better, but boy, you see what a difference. You see how bad this trade was in retrospect with getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins for the likes of Deshaun Watson and adding him to the likes of that pass catching group in the air raid offense there in Arizona. But make no mistake, as great as DeAndre Hopkins has been through the first two games, It's been Kyler Murray, man. I mean, this dude did it against the 49ers defense and then a Washington football team unit up front that sacked and harassed Carson Wentz eight times in week one, and he just shredded him and lit him up. I mean, Sid, I expect more of the same and even probably better things to come from Kyler Murray. The only guy that I'm also juiced up amount under center for like a breakout candidate through the first two weeks, Josh Allen there in Buffalo. He has Mm -hmm. just been... Him and Stephon Diggs have clicked like that pretty pretty darn quick. So uh, those two young quarterbacks, both mobile guys with, with you know, cannon arms, lots of lot love moving forward for those two guys.
0: Yeah, Tater, two bad, bad trades, right? I mean, from Minnesota to Buffalo, whoever authorized that needs to be fired in Minnesota. And Bill O'Brien definitely needs to be fired down in in Houston. We've had many a conversation about that on this show and on our show, Derek, so I won't get into it. That's a long story. Uh, but you see the results, the immediate results of those of those trades. Um, so glad I picked up Kyler Murray. I didn't start him this last week, though, because of the matchup, but I will be going forward with him. I just, I'm, I'm loving the way he's playing down there in Arizona. Um, Unless you have
2: like Russell Wilson or something, I think he's like a must start, man. I yeah, mean- well...
0: well- well, well, I had I had Big in week one. I, I went with him again in week two. Again, I, I was trying to play the matchup there. I, I'm I'm still good. I uh, my opponent's got one more guy to go, but that's a tight end, so I think I'm good for for this week. But but Kyler Murray going forward, no doubt about it. Um, okay, so. Uh, let's see, where was I going? Oh, oh, for for week coming up, um, fantasy-wise, uh, what are your breakout players? Who do you hate? Who do you love real quick? I know we only got you for a few more minutes.
2: No, I mean, I, I, I can ha-
0: I'm having a lot of fun yeah. talking football. Okay. I don't want to go ready? right now. I'm, I'm already
2: texting the <laughs> <laughs> and I gotta go. The- I want to stay and talk a little bit more football. But uh, um, so for this upcoming week, I mean, in particular for week three, I, we already talked about Tyler Higbee. The one thing that the Buffalo Bills their linebacking group is decimated by injuries. And you saw what Mike Gasecki did to this defense last, er, just on Sunday. Um, so give me Tyler Higby in week three. I, I mean, I don't think he's gonna score three tutties again, but do I see him putting up like six catches for like 89 yards and finding the end zone once? I do, and so I mean, like you—you you asked about Tyler Higby, Sid, and I think he's going to continue to do his thing in this Rams offense. It seems to be clicking. I mean, I thought that when they got rid of Todd Gurley, and you kind of saw—I I thought that that was their way of, like, I don't know, not punting the season. But I was like, man, you, you're really getting rid of Gurley if you're a, a Super Bowl contender. But the committee approach seems to be working. Darrell Henderson had a really nice week, um, but other other breakout players for Week Three. Oh, you know, i say Jarek McKinnon. You know, if there's going to be no Raheem Mostert, that is a guy I would go with Target to get on my fantasy squad if he's on your waiver wire, because I expect Mostert to probably miss at least a week or two. Um, you know, Tevin Coleman, I believe, also suffered some sort of knee injury. I don't know how I – maybe mean, if you want to check and see how devastating it is. I didn't see any updated reports on it. But McKinnon, you talk about a guy that, you know, two years ago – the 49ers were super excited about, but he suffered a knee injury in the preseason and then missed all of two seasons. But he looks like the guy that we remember prior uh, to him getting hurt there in Minnesota. So um, yeah, I would go and get Derek McKinnon. I expect him to have a big week against this giant's front.
3: All right. So since we got you with us, Derek, how about, okay, let's all do our studs and does for two.
0: (laughs) Okay. Go ahead.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, I gotta say that Rams, that that Rams team, I I'm like you, Derek. I thought they were gonna punt the season, and sort of like be like not necessarily a rebuild, but sort of like a revamp. They looked very impressive. You know, Jared Goff's looked really good. Robert Woods has some big runs. You know, he just got signed to a new deal. We'll get to we'll get to that 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 aspect of it in a bit. But you know, the, the Rams looked really good. Um, Arizona, Sid, and I, Sid, you and I talked about it on Twitter when the game started. I'm glad Mm -hmm. that the nation is starting to see what we've been talking about these last few months. Yeah, started doing this, so I'm you know I'm in awe of that team right now. Um, Who's another one? Uh, Green Bay. I mean, you know, Aaron Rodgers. What what more can we say about that guy? I mean, yeah, they took a yeah you know Detroit had an early lead, but you know they were able to kind of come back, and also Aaron Jones. I mean, one sixty-eight, two TDs. I, I mean. Not not, 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 bad. I think if you're a fantasy owner of Aaron Jones, like you, you were, you were celebrating, <laughs> you were celebrating yesterday. Um, Baltimore looked really good. Um, Bucks fans can kind of take a deep breath now. <laughs> it looks like they're yeah. to get better. <laughs> we get better, and we all I'll it second it was. that motion. Exactly. <laughs> so the, uh, you know, Seattle. Seattle. I mean, Russell Wilson. I I, I know we're not doing like MVP frontrunners right now since it's so early on, but I think he's making a case of Look, I want that MVP, and I want it. So those are my studs. Who, who wants to go next? I'll
4: go, I'll go next. I'll go next. Uh, first stud for me, Khalil Mack, with his first sack of the season for the Bears. Number two, Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they ran roughshod over the Dallas Cowboys in that first half. Also, another stud for me will be Justin Herbert. I uh, got the last second start for the Los Angeles Chargers. He, he did very well. Uh, uh, we'll get to our duds a, in another time. So I, I got plenty of duds, but I just want to throw a few uh, studs out there. So that, those are my uh, studs for now.
1: The studs. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. Uh, yes, Justin Herbert, definitely. Uh, the kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. The watermelon Greg Zerline. Mm-hmm. Hey. It worked, it looked good, and they might start using it in the NFL because it actually looked like it can work. So I'm going with that play. And like you say, as far as the duds, I really – I mean, the Bears' offense was my dude Not, You can take the rest of them, but their offense in the second half was my dude and Atlanta Falcons, yes, the Atlanta Falcons
0: coaching staff.
1: <laughs> so that's about where I'm at with that.
3: We'll get to Atlanta. We'll get to Atlanta in a minute. Go ahead, Jason.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I'm 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 gonna do the studs, and we'll we'll get to the duds. I think Tater may have some studs. Maybe we'll get to that too. But for me, uh, big stud, and we you know we talked about him. And I'm not trying to be a homer here, but uh, David Montgomery, productive day. Uh, he was useful because he was being used. I know that may sound redundant, but I mean the guy is a talented back. He can run it. He can catch it. Caught a touchdown. And uh, I, I just loved his performance, especially in the second half. If Without that next thing, it could have been a bigger day, possibly. Uh, Deontay Johnson, I believe is his name, from Pittsburgh. Uh, wide receiver opposite Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, six catches, 92 yards, and I think eight touchdown, I think if not two. Um, but also become, becoming maybe the number one target. I mean, I'm not sure. I know Big Ben likes to spread it around in, in Pittsburgh, and I still like Schuster at the number one slot. But uh, Deontay Johnson, big day from him. Uh, let's see. I think I've got one more stud. Um, oh, Josh Allen. Yeah, I know you talked about him as well, Tater. Uh, but yeah, over 400 yards, four touchdowns. And and they that Buffalo Bills offense is starting to hum. And who would have thought that was an actual accurate statement, like
2: <laughs> even last week? <laughs> I mean, you kind of knew that Josh Allen had the talent to be like a poor man's Cam Newton, but he is coming of age very quickly. And if he, in both games to open the season, now granted, again, their competition to start the season, kind of similar to the Bears. I mean, they've looked good. So you know what, wins are wins. And you got to be encouraged from what you've seen from Josh Allen, the numbers that he's putting up through the air, um, you know, very, very, very impressive. I actually want to give a shout out for a stud in a losing effort to Cam Newton. Uh, look, Cam Newton, two weeks in a row, he's had two touchdowns on the ground, uh, led the team in rushing again there in New England, but he also threw for 397 in what was a shootout against a red hot chef, Russ, Russ Wilson, there in Seattle, who is just cooking. Um, you know, he, two weeks in a row, I mean, he's thrown, what, nine touchdowns in the first two weeks? It's absurd. Uh, but Cam Newton going tit for tat with Russell Wilson and I, I was banging the table, not understanding why Cam Newton couldn't get a job in the offseason. We found out now this man is healthy and everybody was making a mistake by passing on this man. So the, you know, Bill Belichick, it works out again in the new England favor. And uh, you just got to be encouraged from what you saw in Cam Newton and my dud of the week. I mean, you can find Will Fuller's face on the side of a milk carton. Where was he? <laughs> I mean, dude, like I, you, <laughs> you have a chance to be that guy now that DeAndre Hopkins is no longer with the team. Deshaun Watson needs you to step up. And where are you at, dude? Like, no catches, goose egged in a game where the Houston Texans were playing from behind again from the jump. So, Will Fuller, man, just made very, very disappointing in week two. Oh,
3: bonus, bonus stuff for me, Harrison Buckner from Kansas City. He hit like 50, 57 yard, you know, field goals in Los Angeles, like it was nothing. You know, Anthony only took the timeout, and now yeah, you know what? I'll just do. I'll just kick another one. Just you know, just absurd. <laughs> one of the best.
1: I, I got a bonus stud for you. Me. Uh, Adam Lynn. He had a good game plan against Kansas City. He he might have he might have opened up some doors and some other people's eyes to how to beat up on Kansas City. So Adam Lynn and that that Sandy that defense, me calling them San Diego, that defense. Is uh yeah, I think he had, he he deserved a little uh you know credit
4: for that. Bonus stud for me: Tight end Hayden Hurst um, for the Atlanta Falcons. He ripped through that Dallas defense in that first half. He scored, it, I think, the first touchdown of the game for the Falcons. He may be uh, something you should pick up in fantasy. Sorry, Taylor, take your job there, but it but may I be do. somebody you want to look at. me and say face the Bears next week.
2: I know you all don't like to give the Packers any, any love, but Aaron Jones. <laughs> Aaron Jones, man, what a stud he was in week number two. Uh, look, any, anybody that was concerned about Aaron Jones because they took A.J. Dillon in the second round, I was telling everybody the hate's gone too far, man. Aaron Jones is still that dude there in Green Bay. Damn. He looks like it through week two, man. What a, what a game for, for Aaron Jones in this Packer offense.
3: I you have be- to pay him. I have a feeling that we're all going to have the same dud, so who wants to sort of take the lead here? You do. Uh, Well, no, I figured you want to do it, Jason, since it's your favorite team.
0: (laughs) Nope. Nope. I'll leave it to you.
3: Uh, Okay. uh, New York Jets. I mean, the Niners lost Garoppolo, Mostert,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
3: Bosa, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: and a couple other guys, and then they had Kittle, where they were now killing Sherman to begin with but yet somehow the Niners second stringers were able mm-hmm. to beat up on the jets.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Excuse me. <laughs> I mean, Nick Mullins came in, you know, he really didn't have to do too much. Uh, Jared, Jared McKinnon, I think who you mentioned Tater, you know, he had a nice uh, debut. He might have the, might be taking the lead there now. I mean, the defense made you know sort of, you know, stayed in intact. You know, even with both that out. So jets, uh, Okay, what do you say, Sid uh, Lamont, uh, Adam, Adam Gates, a paint slip and some link and a link card? He should be the yes. paint slip <laughs> and a
1: link card. Yes, He's <laughs> gonna, gonna be sending that up to Detroit. Also, Detroit had, he, he has to get one up there in Detroit. But man, um, like I said, that 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 Atlanta Atlanta's coaching in that second half questionable. I I don't understand what they was trying to accomplish and how they lose that game. And, and the Bears' offense in the second half, I mean, it didn't show up, period. Like, nothing. So yeah. that's, that's about it for me for the
0: week. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and listen, I've touched on these two teams already, but, but they're, they're my duds of the week as well. Um, the, the, the Minnesota Vikings, not yeah, sure hurts. what their game plan was either. I think they gave Dalvin Cook the ball all of like four or five times in the first half, um, pretty much unacceptable. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the Houston Texans. I mean, listen, we've all talked about him. We've talked about him ad nauseum already on the show. But Bill O'Brien should be fired. He should be fired right now. Um, how, you know, I know people can say that, well, one player shouldn't change the dynamic of the team so much. But they, they pretty much have no offense. And they, they definitely don't have an offense to play catch up immediately right out of the gate in both games. So this, this is all on Bill O'Brien. I mean, he wanted the, the quote-unquote GM job. You know, he wanted to run the team. He wanted to make the decisions. Um, somebody needs to make a decision on him. He needs to be gone, like right now.
4: <laughs> my, petty, my petty dud for the week is the Houston Texans. I know I picked them to win on our last podcast, but – if they would have won, I would have had a perfect Sunday picking games, but that's a whole other issue. I still have a good week, so go check your facts hey. there. Um, the Minnesota Vikings, I'm with you, Jason. They're another dud for me from yesterday. What the hell was that? I did pick the Colts to win, but I didn't expect Minnesota to come out like that. They came out flat. And another team that came out flat, which would be my final dud for now, is the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank goodness I did not go with my gut from early in the week to pick Philadelphia. I'm glad I went with y'all on the Rams. now I'm, I'm glad I did. Now we know why.
3: Hater,
2: <laughs> you know, uh, you kind of stole mine there at the very end because uh, I'm looking at Carson Wentz. Um, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, man. I mean, 240. I mean, last week you got upset by the the Washington football team. Maybe not all your fault. I got that. I, I get that they have some issues up front. That they're banged up along that offensive line unit, but you're that. If you're supposed to be that franchise quarterback, you're supposed to be that dude, and they paid you like that dude. It's your job to overcome, you know, some adversity, and you, like, really, last year you had the excuse too because his bank, his receiver group was banged up big time towards the end of the last year, but. I mean, right now they add in Jalen Rager. You got a healthy Deshaun Jackson. you got both tight ends who are arguably top ten options in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And you got Miles Sanders back who had a nice game outside of a fumble to start things off there. But, I mean, you know, Philadelphia, they're in an 0-2 hole now. And, I mean, this is still a very winnable division where the Dallas Cowboys, it took – a crazy comeback against the Atlanta Falcons who went full-blown Atlanta Falcons and just gave away a a huge second-half lead. Um, The Eagles are still only one game back for the lead in the NFC East, but why do I not feel confident in this team when on paper they got quite a bit of talent? And I'm I'm looking at Carson Wentz. So, I mean, I, I know I'm being a little critical, but, you know, that's just the way that I see it. Real quick, a bonus stud for me
4: is the Jacksonville-Tennessee game. Uh, Both teams combined to score 66 points. Tennessee won 33 to 30. Whoever bet the over legally, lucky you, you won some money yesterday.
2: How about what's cooking down there in Jacksonville? Gardner Minshew just ruining the entire front office's plans to tank for Trevor Lawrence. They're like, we're going to, we're going to trade every valuable player that we have on the defensive side of the football. We're going to get, we're going to cut Leonard Fournette outright. And we're going to, you know, whatever. We're just going to pump this season. And Gardner Minshew darn near beats not only the, he beats the Indianapolis Colts in week one, but then really had the Tennessee Titans on the rope. It took a great game. And four touchdown passes through the air by Ryan Tannehill, which by the way, that's a stud that we need we you know needed to be bring brung up because he played very well with no AJ Brown in this game. But Gardner Minshew, man, they got something cooking down there in Jacksonville with the with the, the mustache there in uh, Duval County. I'll call him the poor stash, but <laughs>
3: <laughs> um... Bonus, bonus, Doug, for me, you guys covered it, the Atlanta Falcons. No one, no one knows how to blow big leagues like the Falcons, right? They're, you know, teams <laughs> were 440 and 0 when scoring 39 points and no turnovers since 1933, since the league's been around. But Atlanta found a way to change it. And um, what, were, what were the hands team doing? You didn't, it doesn't have to go 10 yards. You guys are the hands team. You don't have, it don't have to wait to go 10 yards. You can get in there. Micah Hyde, you know, when the Dolphins were, you know, very close, you know, made it close sort of like, you know, they need an kick. He showed you for the, for the Bills. He showed you why he showed you how to do it. It's that easy guys. Come on now. Really Atlanta.
4: Come <laughs> on, blow a lead next week. Uh, speak, speaking of Atlanta, not Atlanta, but, um, Lamont, I want to ask you this question real quick. Um, Dick stock stud or dud from yesterday. Did you catch any other Washington Arizona game?
1: Yeah, I caught a little bit of it because I was I was going back and forth with that other one. I mean uh, you know I'm gonna give him a him an incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're gonna say this week. Incomplete.
3: I will I will good. give uh Herbert a bonus bonus stud for me in a losing effort. He looked really <laughs> good. Um it's like he's gonna be the guy, cause you know. Let me ask you a question: Ty Do Ron you Taylor's think
1: Tyrod Taylor gonna get back on the field?
3: He's weak to week, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard, cause I think he's they they say he's having breathing troubles near like I think in the chest near the rib area, so that could get very iffy. So hey, this could be Herbert's not maybe team for at least for now.
1: Yeah, it, I think it's gonna be his team for the rest until he get hurt. God forbid he doesn't, but. I don't see Tyrod getting back on the field. They happy with him being a backup. They have to pay him to be a backup. They're gonna go with their golden boy. Yeah, what? yeah.
0: Um, all right. Anything, anything else?
3: what'd you guys think about? Um, I heard like some people were saying. So now you and I and Kyle, we talked about this um, during the, that late afternoon game. Um, CBS, you know, here in Chicago, they showed they showed that Chiefs Chargers game, and of course, you had. The Ravens and Texans game—that was the other late game. You know, they actually sent Jim Nantz, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson over there to that game. But then we, but then we got look—we got you know—we had Kevin Harlan, Trent Green, and Melanie Collins at, on in there. So I, I mean, look—I mean, I, I, I was fine with that. What'd you guys think about that?
1: I start. T- Tony Romo—does he work for Kansas City or does he work for Patrick Mahomes? Every <laughs> move he makes. Everything he say, he I mean he 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 puts him on such a high pedestal. Like I was watching it, like and I was like he was even making Jim Nance into a homer. (laughs) That's crazy to say, but yeah, Tony Romo was rubbing me like, and he has done that a few times. But yeah, so yeah, since you brought it up,
2: I mean, there's. Being a former quarterback, Tony Romo likely just is envious and jealous of what your boy Pat Mahomes does on a week-to-week <laughs> basis. So he's sitting there just man-crushing. Uh, but it, it, is, it it's, ain't, you're it's supposed like, to be objective when you're. He not. <laughs> he he's not. At
3: all. Yeah. He's not. And, that's, and I'm okay with that, actually.
2: Y- y'all ever catch when he like when he's clearly thinking while he's talking and he just comes yes. out with the
3: yeah?
2: gets <laughs> about three of those a game, and I'm just like, oh, Tony, just just. Just mute yourself like just silence is golden sometimes but no I mean I, I love the job that he does I mean clearly he understands the game at a high level and when he will literally call out whatever the concept is or play pre snap I mean it, yep. it's it's quite impressive what he does and it's almost like he could be a defensive coordinator or something like that that's how well prepared he is. Um, you know, heading into every one of the games.
1: See how, you see how he was breaking down that triangle and drawing the triangle on the screen? He was like, see, go right there with the ball. Go right there. I'm like, yeah.
3: Look, I mean, that actually ended up being the better game. So maybe, the, <laughs> maybe there was a there was a reason. that The the, char, the Chiefs' charge actually ended up being the better game. So maybe CBS knew what they were doing, what they were talking about. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, well, I mean, the thing about Tony Romo that I love is the insight. I mean, I, I mean, he he sees things, and I know it's it's due to his preparedness, but I mean, he sees it like a quarterback and calls it like a quarterback. Um, it's, it's it's pretty enjoyable to watch. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't have any problem with it either. Like like you said, it was a better game, so <laughs> it was it was no problem for me either. Um, anything else before we move on to Monday night?
2: I may have to sign off here, but uh, okay. again, thank you all for having me. And I know I'll I'll leave you all with this. That Chargers unit defensively, that was no mistake. You know, putting a speed bump in that Kansas City offense, man. They got some of the best cover corners, man-to-man across the board in their nickel packages, and this is without Derwin James, like an All-Pro safety. So keep an eye on, for, keep an eye out for the Chargers for the rest of the year. But uh, I just want to say thank y'all. It's
0: good to see y'all
2: good again. To see you
0: thanks, Tater. we we'll, uh, we'll have to do it again sometime soon. Okay. Absolutely. See you guys. All right. See ya.
3: Later, later. Stay safe.
0: That was Derek Tate at D Tater on the Twitter and part of the at fantasy focus crew with two D's. Give him a follow on both fronts and uh, we should have a new episode of the go route coming this weekend. You can also find that wherever you get your podcasts. So as we uh in this football discussion, power hour, what are you guys looking forward to on Monday night?
3: The Snakes beating the Raiders? <laughs> should have known. should have known. Well, yeah, you we should have known. If, if, <laughs> if Michael Th- if Mike Thomas plays and, but he's not 100%, look, well, I pick the Raiders, I'm going to stick to it because I, I, I just, you know, I, I just don't trust those high-angle sprains and plus, you know, Carr looks really good, Jacobs looks really good on offense. I mean, I Michael think the Ravens will turn off the what
1: What you say, Lamont? He's gonna, he's gonna show up and be a decoy. They're gonna run a, they're gonna run a package with. They're gonna use Kamara out the backfield as a receiver more. Thomas gonna be a decoy. I hate to give out the game plan so early in the day, but that's what's gonna happen tonight. I mean, I, I mean, the stadium should look nice and Raider Nation and all of that, but they won't win tonight.
4: Lamont I put know the down. <laughs> Lamont put the liquor down, first of all. Number two, as I said in our last podcast when we did our NFL picks for week two, if you're the Raiders and head coach John Gruden, what's the number one thing to keep your uh, the opposition defensive unit on his heels? Pound the rock. Pound the rock. You're going to see that tonight with Josh Jacobs. And if you're the Raiders for the defensive unit, I know their defensive front is not that great, but if you get any pressure on Drew Brees and cause some turnovers, you'll be in better position to win the game. I'm still going to stick with my upset pick of Oakland. If they do those two things, they should be able to win tonight.
0: Yeah, for nope. me, I kind of think this game might be low scoring. Um, I actually can't remember what I picked, and I know that's horrible to say.
3: You uh, picked the Raiders. But, uh,
0: you picked the Raiders. <laughs> I, did, I picked the Raiders? Okay. I yeah, was yeah, alone I'm in New Orleans. I'm, I'm definitely sticking with the Raiders then. Um, I, I like Derek Carr. Then I like Drew Brees a little more right now. But I still, again, think it might be low scoring um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting to see. Um, can Josh Jacobs continue his production, obviously, from week one? And, you know, can, can this offense with a limited to maybe not playing Michael Thomas for the New Orleans Saints get on track?
1: Right. I'm just hoping that the Saints play in black and gold and the Raiders play in black and silver so the uniforms can, like, clash and look.
0: <laughs> well, they, they, That's <laughs> what I'm hoping for. They purposely don't do that, but it'd be nice to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what I say. They purposely don't. It's gonna be nice. The Saints gonna probably play in all white or something like yeah. that. And right. then they will be in trouble. <laughs> they don't play well in all white.
3: <laughs> well, well, as far as our picks are concerned, I did, I did the math. We're all doing. We all did well. We all had like twelve and 13 – either won like twelve or thirteen games last week. I haven't added it to the cumulative from last week yet, but I have that number two sit in the You guys are actually tied for the lead right now. Jason, you're in, you're in third, and I'm only a game behind. So it's only like a two-game difference between first and fourth, so.
1: Until the Saints beat the Raiders tonight. Oh, <laughs>
3: we'll oh thank you.
4: Lot. Yeah. Thank you, for, LaKeita, for bringing that up, because I did my calculations from last week, and I did have 11 victories. So, yes. like like I said before, we trust you. So, uh, you yeah, I appreciate your honesty for bringing it up first. Of course. And like I said yesterday, I'm going to brag on myself. Only lost one game yesterday, so your boy had a pretty great week. Just hopefully, Oakland will cap it off tonight. Well, that'll be two. That'll be Nashville. two come tonight. What's up? That'll be two come tonight. We'll see. We'll see. But regardless, I had a great week too picking games. Shout out yeah.
3: to your boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, you pat yourself on the back. Said, "Uh, what's you?" Got? <laughs> <Right here. laughs> Jesus. All right, before we before we. Take- <laughs> Before we take a breather, uh, what do you think you guys' theories are on all these injuries? Because, you know, McCaffrey's out, Barkley's out, San Francisco's pretty much, you know. Do, s- that do you think Texas something Kings. wrong with
1: that turf in New York?
3: I think it could just be, like, you know, no – you had no OTAs. You had – That's what um, I
5: think.
3: Yeah, you yep. do not have a lot of off-season. No goals, preseason now. games no
5: and
4: the limited practice. Limit exactly. practice time because of practice and safety protocols. I think that's one of the main reasons. Yeah, and when talked about thing. this uh, the last few weeks, uh, what with, with this leading up to the, the, to the, uh, the regular season over, you're going to see more injuries. And, and now you're starting to see it, unfortunately. It's now happening to the big stars.
5: Yep.
1: Yeah. And you you heard, you heard San Francisco's some of their players talking about they don't want to go back and play on their field. You think they're going to try to snatch it out in there and put something new down before the next game Sunday? Because they got to go back there and play the Giants.
0: Well, you know, I mean, it's, it, they wouldn't be the only team that has field problems, you know. They have them here in Chicago as well. I mean, probably <laughs> yes, we do. bad, though. But, you know, I don't – <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, they're either going to play with it or adjust to it accordingly. But, I I mean, I agree with you guys. It's just This is a lack of preseason, lack of proper practice, and lack of, of proper game shape. I mean, you know, all of that yeah. adds up to a lot of injuries to key players at key positions as well. I don't think it's um I don't think it's a coincidence that there were you know a, a lot of running back injuries as well. You know that happens when you're not in game shape and you don't have the proper practice. So we may see this you know for another couple of weeks or two before things settle down. Unfortunately,
1: but do you, do you think that the, uh that one injury, the Tyrod Taylor injury, right? They they for him to have instant breathing problems, you don't think it was no in there or nothing, it was just he got cause like all week he didn't show up on the sheet or nothing. It was just game day. Now he's sick. And at first they were saying he hurt himself throwing or something, a rib injury, they was calling it at first.
0: Right. So right. I I mean I'm I'm not sure. You know, I think I I thought they were having some air quality problems out there. Yeah. I mean I don't know if it reached the, yeah. the
3: fires. That's probably that's probably what it was too.
0: You know yeah, I this, I mean that was that was my pretty. my first sort of knee jerk reaction guess to it. But I mean I I don't know. You know.
1: Yeah. I just hope I just hope it don't mean he back to the bench for good. Good because he didn't <laughs> yeah. really get a chance. So. Yeah.
4: But if Justin plays well, he's not, he can't do it on the bus sit on the bench. I'm just if saying, Justin keeps keep playing.
1: playing well, he's going to be another one getting his pink slip and link card because <laughs> he on TV right now. They got Justin Hayward all over TV this morning. So if he <laughs> continues to do that, Tyrod Taylor will be another one getting his walking papers and becoming a backup maybe in Chicago.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh okay <laughs> on that note we're going to take a we're going to take a nice little breather we're going to take this quick you know, 20 second time 20 second timeout. we'll talk MLB we'll have, we'll have um Katie she, how how you say her, na- her last name Sid
4: it's Katie Wingy she's the host reporter and analyst for the Denver nuggets for altitude sports she's going to hop on with us to kick off our next segment talking about the NBA's Western Conference Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers.
3: And what the heck? What the heck were they think? Was is thinking? not the Guardian about last, last night. We'll talk to her about that. Also, we'll talk um, U.S. Open and a big, you know, big star emerging, um, and a whole lot more. So come on back. We're we'll right back with more Second City Sports Zoom style.
4: Zoom. Zoom style. Welcome back to our second segment of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom
1: style.
4: <laughs> along with LaKeena McGee, Lamont Scott, and Jason Pfeiffer, I am Sidney Brown, aka Sid the Kid. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at sidkid Eddie. That's S-I-D-K-I-D eight zero. That's S-I-D-K-I-D eight zero. You can catch this podcast along with our other programming from We Are Regal Radio. Simply type it in War on Anger," which kicks you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we're everywhere. And don't forget to download the iHeartRadio app. And once you do that, just type in the search engine box War on Anger." That's W-A-R-R on Anger. You get access this lovely program.
3: You can follow
4: you
1: can catch me at... Me at, go, at go, ahead, go ahead, Lamont. You can catch me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram and Twitter. You
3: can follow me at Keenan McGee on Twitter, and Kina underscore McGee
0: on the Instagram. And you can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter, and you can follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCSCHI. All right, folks.
4: We'll start off with this segment talking about the NBA playoffs, in particular the Western Conference Finals between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Katie Wenge, the host, reporter, and anchor for Altitude Sports, who covers the different Nuggets. She will be joining us in the next couple of minutes. And before she joins us, let's get it started. I want to get your your guys' instant thoughts on the different Nuggets' performance in game two against the Los Angeles Lakers. They were trailing most of the game, but made a valuable comeback. But Anthony Davis said, not so fast. Nailed the game-winning three-pointer and sent the Lakers home a winner, and they lead this best of seven series, two games to none. Jason, I'll start with you. What did you think about game two's uh, performance between the Lakers and Nuggets?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just not sure what the coverage was on the out-of-bounds play. Um, I'm not quite going to blame Jokic on that. I, I, I mean, I know Anthony Davis is, a, you know, he's the big guy, he's the center, but I don't think you should have expected Jokic to – Come out and cover him the way he was coming off of those screens. It should have been something else, at least in my opinion. Um, having said that, though, AD drills the game winner. Lakers go up two to nothing. nothing. Um, I thought, you know, in talking with uh, some friends, you know, kind of around the league or whatever, um, that game two would be different. I mean, it was kind of a blowout in game one. I kind of expected that result. Um, I thought game two would be different. It was it was better called, in my opinion, without trying to get too too hard, you know, too harsh on the refs. But I thought it would be a tighter game. I thought the Denver Nuggets would perform better, even though L.A. sort of, you know, kind of got hot out of the gate there in the first, first half. But, um, you know, still not too surprising, though, that the Lakers are up two to nothing. Um, I don't think the series is over by any means. I mean, obviously, we've seen the Nuggets come back from 3-1 down twice in just these playoffs. So I don't think it's over quite yet. But, you know, obviously, it's going to be a big key for Denver to try to win game, game three. All right, and joining
4: us now to help further our discussion on the NBA Western Conference Finals matchup between the different Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers is host, reporter, and anchor for Altitude Sports covering the different Nuggets. There's no other than, no one that does it better than Katie Wenge. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Katie Wingy. Once again, at Katie Wingie. Katie, welcome to Second City Sports. Despite last night's loss, how are you?
5: Well guys, I'm hanging in there. That was a tough loss to say the least. It was a heartbreaker. We were talking about it on our post-game show actually like would we rather lose by you know 20 and get blown out or would you rather lose in that fashion and on a buzzer beater by Anthony Davis hitting a crazy shot. So I think both the, the losses that the Nuggets have experienced so far have been tough losses but in very different ways. The good news is the Nuggets have adapted this identity of being comeback kids. And so even though they've lost two games, we're still very optimistic and very positive and upbeat that like, look, they can they can do anything they set their minds to. Don't count them out quite yet.
4: Before I kick it over to the rest of the panel, I want to ask you about that last play. You got a chance to hear the comment, but... Uh he he said that he does he didn't blame uh, Jokic who had to guard the uh, the inbounds passer. Of course he had to slide over to defend Anthony Davis before he hit the game winning shot. Uh what was your uh opinion of, of that last play?
5: Well, we've I've watched it probably a million times, honestly, to figure out where the defensive communication <laughs> uh did not work out and Jokic actually had a pretty good effort to close out and contested the shot pretty well, considering he was not supposed to be there in the first place. Mm -hmm. Knowing what I know about the Nuggets and the way that they defend, especially in a situation like that, there's no timeout called. So obviously they just kind of had to be smart in terms of being a high IQ basketball player and win the game is on the line like that they're probably switching everything defensively in terms of screens so if you watch the video closely you see Mason Plumlee point out so he was asking Jeremy Grant to get out on Anthony Davis but there really was no screen set so it's kind of this gray area there of like Plumlee running straight to LeBron and if you watch it in 80s trajectory on his path Plumley really could have just stuck with him. There was no screen that was set. LeBron didn't even really turn his body to make contact with Plumley. But because they were switching everything, I think Plumley probably thought it was more efficient to just say, hey, you jump out. Um, There's also this other camera angle that's going around right now where you can see Jeremy Grant before the ball is inbounded, look at Plumlee and say something about LeBron. And I don't know if it's him saying I'm going to stick with LeBron or I'm going to need help if he slips to the basket, because look, that's an option too, right? If Anthony Davis comes off of that LeBron Mm -hmm. screen and Jeremy Grant helps out on AD early, LeBron goes right to the basket and he's either going to get fouled or get a layup or get something great out of that. Uh, And then do you even want the the ball in LeBron James's hands at all? That's the question too of like, are you just face guarding him? Is all your attention on him and you live with that shot by Anthony Davis? Because I mean, this was another question we were talking about too. Okay. So say seven game series and you give Anthony Davis that shot to win the game in all seven games. Are you going to pick the nuggets in that situation? Maybe you would like, that's a pretty low Mm -hmm. percentage shot for AD and the way that it was contested was Pretty good by Nicole Jokic. So obviously there are a lot of moving factors here with that play. Uh, I'm I'm bummed that we don't have any media availability today because I would have loved to hear the team talk about it. And Mm -hmm. tomorrow it's kind of like a a false narrative almost going into game three. It doesn't really matter anymore. So I don't know if we'll touch on it again. But I I do think there was some sort of miscommunication there Um, because there was no screen set. There was no clear this is what we're doing this is how we're going to handle it situation. And when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a, le- in a late game situation, you, I mean, pick your poison. Pick, pick who you want to give the ball to or give it up to and, and make the best of it, I guess.
3: Jason?
0: Yeah, I mean, hey. I, that was kind of echoing my sentiments right there. Um, the, I'll, having said that, having, you know, said all of that, it was well defended. Um, Jokic, like she mentioned, gave a great effort but um you know you you live with that ad shot right i mean i i think i would would say, agree with that as well i mean how many times do you think he makes it although we know he has the range but with in that situation you know with with that much time on the clock i i mean i mean i kind of live with that you know it was it was just one of those bang bang type of plays that happen in the playoffs sometimes but what a big shot made by anthony davis and i know uh and it's it's a uh, a bit of a great day in Denver right now, but I, I don't think this series is over by a long shot.
5: Even Anthony Davis post game, he was like, That was the biggest shot of my career. Oh, yeah. And we're like, Okay. I mean, obviously, you were in <laughs> Orleans, so what, what's the biggest shot there? You know what I mean? Like, of course, you're not in this situation, but for him to openly say that, and him and LeBron both talked about the shot he missed before the NBA went on their hiatus against Brooklyn, it was almost an identical shot. And LeBron gave a lot of credit to AD being like, look, you have to be brave enough to even be in that position and to take that shot and to step up and think you're going to make it. And again, like if you stay with AD in that situation, then do they just lob it up to LeBron and LeBron does what LeBron does and tries to make a play and probably gets a foul call and gets to the free throw line there. So we can sit here and say, what if, what, if, what, if what you guys just mentioned, it's, a sad day in Denver and this rivalry goes way back. And so I feel like a lot of the long time Nuggets fans are like, this is classic Nuggets Lakers and it hurts <laughs> just the same, even in 2020.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh I, I, I would piggyback off that Katie. Um, Jamal Murray, the fact that they've been able to sort of fight and claw and, you know, you know, climb their way up through the first couple of rounds of these playoffs tell people who probably may not know too much about him, you know, his mindset, his game, and sort of his inspiration.
5: Yeah, well, Jamal is one of the toughest players and people that I have ever had the pleasure of being around or covering. The way that he rises when he is challenged is unmatched. And, I mean, he talks about how Kobe Bryant has been a big influence for him, so he lives by that Mamba mentality as well of just, you know – being the highest level of a competitor, he, we joke about this in Denver. Like he plays better when he's injured or he's mad because he's just that guy and he hates to lose maybe more than he likes to win. He just, he loves going at guys. He, he loves being underestimated and being the underdog and proving people wrong. And I think in these past two series, you've seen Jamal Murray mature rapidly in both terms of a player and a person, the way that he has been speaking up um, and keeping social injustice issues alive in the bubble, kind of as the representative for the Nuggets, I think, given the way that he's been playing and the platform that he's had, he's been so great in terms of shining a light on what really matters right now in this world. And I think that that speaks to how strong he feels his voice is and how, how much he feels like that matters. And then the way that he's been playing has just been remarkable. And for Jamal, the question was always, can he be consistent in what he puts on the floor? I think last year's playoff experience was a great, you know, vision of that or a great example of the inconsistencies. He uses that experience now in this year's playoff, and you see him just becoming a superstar on the biggest stage. And he references that a lot, like last year's playoffs when he had like eight points one game and 40 points another game and 15 and then 30. And it's hard to rely on a player in that way. And and I think he that ate away at him a little bit, too. So the way that he's been the guy for Denver, I think we all saw potential of that and glimpses of that. Being here and seeing the way that he puts in work in the gym, he's almost always one of the last guys to leave. I think he took the time that he had off before they went to the bubble. He got stronger. So I think his physicality is better in games. He's, finishing better around the rim, he's using screens better, he's defending better um, with the extra muscle that he put on, and he also just like got shots up, and you can see how confident he is in his shooting right now as well, and creating his own shot too. That two-man game between him and Jokic, I mean, maybe the only better option in the NBA is AD and LeBron in the pick and roll, so I think that they've been using that a lot. Jamal has gotten really smart in that situation of when to make the pass to Jokic and when to make a shot himself or take a shot himself. And he just has been invaluable for Denver the way that he's stepped up. It's been so fun to watch him shine on this stage. I actually, I just pulled up a tweet because I just saw this earlier. It's from John Hollinger. And he said, this is from last night's game. Jamal Murray was plus 16 in 44 minutes. And somehow the Nuggets lost the other four minutes so badly that they didn't win the game. Like that is the type of impact that Jamal Murray has when he is in the game. It's crazy. Wow.
1: Lamont Lamont Katie, Katie, a question <clears throat> do you think that uh, coach Malone has figured something out going forward I mean that loss it hurt it's behind him now do you think they found something going forward that they can that he can use as far as with Jokic and Murray going forward that can beat the Lakers maybe in this game three
5: yeah I do I think that we're seeing the building blocks right like the progress the first game okay we thought that we knew what was coming and what we got was like an awakening in a lot of ways of like, okay, this is what playoff Laker basketball is going to be like this last game. We saw the Nuggets clean up a lot I think they looked a lot better in terms of the way they were scoring, the offense that they were running. The turnovers were still absurd. They need to do a much better job of taking care of the ball and not giving the Lakers extra possessions because they're too good. You just can't award them that and give them multiple opportunities. That's the same with second chance opportunities too. I think in that game, uh, like 16 points off of offensive rebounds and that just like you can't allow that to happen. I know the Lakers are one of the best in the NBA at doing that, but you got to limit them in some way. Um, what I would really love to see is some of the other guys around Jokic and Murray step up. And that's, that was kind of the deciding factor. And I think that Clippers series was when they were making their run after being down three, one Paul Millsap, Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, Michael Porter Jr., Monte Morris, those guys, it was different games for different guys, but there was always a couple others that were producing at a really high level. And we haven't seen that yet against the Lakers. It's really just been Jokic and Murray given everything that they have. And I think they need some sort of supporting cast in a way higher production for them to really be successful. I do, though, think that they get to have. Obviously, for that loss, they're going to just have something to prove here in game three. I think. Mistakes have been made. Okay. You know, it's like execution and figuring like cleaning things up if you're the nuggets and being sharper playing your style of basketball. Seth? Katie Wingy of Altitude Sports,
4: who covers the different nuggets for that station, joins us here on Sega City Sports. Katie uh, let's stay with head coach Mike Malone for a minute I, I uh, started to feel nationally that he's starting to get the respect that he's he that he deserves a little bit but talk to us about his impact on uh, not just on the team but but throughout the whole organization
5: yeah I can't say enough good things about coach Malone and just not only the coach that he is but the play or the person that he is as well the way that he interacts with his players it is so much more than just X's and O's in basketball with him. He heavily invests in these guys in terms of his relationship with them. There's constantly one-on-one conversations and checking in and what do you feel? What do you see? How can I help you be more successful on the floor? Um, And he's just, I mean, he's a tough nosed New Yorker who, like just wants to win and finds ways to win and doesn't want to put up with, you know, anybody's crap. And I think that the nuggets reflect that in a lot of ways. You talk about them being the comeback kids and Coach Malone absolutely embodies all of those features, all those characteristics of resiliency, refusing to lose, um, don't ever count me out, those types of mentalities. That starts with Coach Malone wholeheartedly believing in these guys and what they can do and their potential and them really never being out of a game. So you see that and you see the guys come out on the floor and perform in the way that they do. But it does start with coach Malone, giving them that belief. The other thing I'll say about coaches, he, his dad was a coach. He grew up around the game, played the game. He's, you know, he knows this, this is what he's been destined to do uh, in this life. But he talks about, his dad teaching him that the best thing that you can instill in your players is confidence and the belief that, you know, you can go out there and you can do anything you set your mind to. And I'm also going to have your back regardless of what happens. And I, he does that with his nuggets team. And you can see it in the way that the players respect him and the players appreciate him and, and the way that they celebrate with him in good moments. I think that that's another thing that sets him apart too. Like he's so big on, if you don't celebrate the little victories along the way, why are you even doing this? Like, let's be in the moment. Let's enjoy this journey. And the Nuggets have built something from the ground up, which is rare in the NBA nowadays. It's not like the Lakers where you assemble whatever team you want in LA in the way that they did the Nuggets drafted They invested in player development and they've created these guys and helped these guys grow and and built that confidence. And they're now seeing that pay off.
0: Yeah, organic is, is what comes to mind from me, Katie, when we're talking about the Denver Nuggets. And Sid, you kind of took my question about Mike Malone, but that's okay. I've, I've got to <laughs> talk about uh, Denver Nuggets. And more specifically, a guy you touched on really briefly, but uh, a young kid, I think it's, it's only his second year in the league now, and that's, that's Michael Porter Jr. Um, uber talented, you know, can, can do a lot of things with the basketball, but obviously with a young kid being inconsistent. I kind of think him along with that entire second unit will have a better game three, but, but what do you think he can really work on as far as taking his game to the next level?
5: Yeah, Michael Porter jr. He's technically a rookie, right? So he like sat out all of last year. So this is his Uh first real NBA experience. And, he is, like you said, uber talented, insanely talented. His skill set is through the roof. You watch him and you're just like, holy crap, he's so athletic and so skilled. His shot is so pure. He's just a natural scorer. With Michael Porter Jr., he has been the guy his entire life. Like, small town, went to Missouri, AAU superstar, has been, you know, the driving force of every team that he's been on, even though maybe he's played with like Trey Young and those guys, he still was the guy and basically had the green light to do whatever he wanted. And so I think getting to the NBA and healing and getting in a position where he has actually has some real playing time now, which shout out to the Nuggets, strength, conditioning and training staff for getting him healthy, like how many teams passed him up and just weren't willing to invest. And again, the Nuggets were and organically have built him from the ground up. But with him, he's had to adjust to finding his role within this Nuggets team with a bunch of players that are pretty close to as talented as he are, like Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic are insane talents, and that's who the Nuggets have invested in, and, and they will go to them in a lot of situations, in most situations, And so Michael Porter Jr. expressed some frustration with this in the Clippers series, saying, you know, I I didn't really touch the ball as much as I would have liked to. That kind of went viral. It was a national story. And, I mean, of course they're going to go to Jokic and Murray. But Michael Porter Jr. is so talented in terms of scoring that I think – everybody would like to see a couple more sets run for, for him. But the thing that I love about his game is he doesn't necessarily need plays run for him. Like his rebounding ability is so natural. He can crash the glass and, and score some easy buckets in offensive rebounding situations. And he cuts so well to the basket. And when you're playing with a passer like Jokic, I mean, think of the opportunities that you have as someone who cuts really well and is smart in terms of their movement. On the offensive side of things, and Michael Porter Jr. has been able to take advantage in that situation too. So for him, I just don't want him to settle. I think that that's a huge step in his progress. And when he comes off the bench, he knows he needs to produce. But when he comes down and and obviously he can hit that three in transition whenever he wants or that pull up jumper. But like get to the basket first, get to the free throw line, crash the boards, do the little things, and then. When you're in rhythm, look for your three-point shot. If your first shot that you come in is, you know, just a pull-up three right away, if it goes in, great. Like, he's such a confidence kid that once he sees the ball go in, it's like, watch out. But if he misses that, then you have the potential of going, like, 0 for 6 because he just wants to keep shooting that same type of shot. So I think just figuring out the NBA a little bit more and the rhythm of that is going to be huge for him. The reason he didn't get as many minutes prior to the bubble life was his defense. And his defense has improved drastically since he's been in there. He's just focused more on that side of the ball and made that a bigger emphasis. I think he knows that that directly relates to his playing time. And so he's like, okay, hey, if I want to play, I got to play defense. And Coach Malone is a defensive-minded coach. And he thinks it starts on that side of the ball. So Michael Porter Jr. can't be a liability in the way that he was early on and in, in the season too, where Teams would literally say, "How do we get him in a mismatch situation? How do we get him guarding the ball so we can take him to the basket?" And I mean, the rookie recognized that. He brought that up openly and said, "Yeah, that's tough, but I'm up for the challenge." And we've seen him take some really big strides on the defense end.
3: What about um, we know the guy that helped kind of build this team, Arturis Karnishvili? He's now here in Chicago. Tell tell Bulls fans that are going to be listening and watching this. What can people? At- Bulls fans expect from AK and how is he going to use sort of the same sort of mindset to building the Bulls as he did with building the Nuggets?
5: Let me just tell you guys how much of a gem you have in AK because he is one of my favorite people. I was so sad but also so happy for him. He's so deserving of this opportunity and I think that the Bulls are in such good hands with him being in charge. Absolutely. I think you can expect something similar. But AK is just such a smart basketball human being. He's got all the connections in Europe. He can see talent and see how he can develop talent better than anybody that I've really ever talked to um, and has learned so much, I think, from like Tim Connolly and working in the Nuggets front office as well. So I have the highest expectations for him in Chicago and with the history of that franchise and, and what that city expects. I think he recognizes that and is totally – he's, he's going to live up to, to all of that and to what, that, what basketball means to the Windy City.
4: Uh, heading down the home stretch with Miss Katie Wingie of Altitude Sports who covers the different nuggets on, right here on Sega City Sports. Katie, last question from me. Uh, looking through your background, uh, you were born and raised in Minnesota, but you have some Chicago-Illinois uh, ties. We are, uh, just in case people are listening to, to this podcast for the first time, we are Chicago-based, but we do talk national sports. You do have some Chicago ties uh, um, here. Uh, talk to us about your journey through, uh, through, uh, through your time here in Chicago in the state of Illinois and what, what made you into the person you are right now holding that position with the different nuggets.
5: Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked, because I spent a lot of time in Illinois. Um, I did my undergrad at Illinois State, where I played basketball there. I was a Redbird. Go Redbirds. Shout out to any Redbirds. Yeah, (laughs) pretty cool. (laughs) All four years there in Bloomington Normal and really enjoyed my time Um, there. I I actually double majored in marketing and broadcast journalism, so I went through the journalism program um, and TV 10 and all of that at Illinois State. And then worked a little bit after that in local TV, but then decided I wanted to get my master's in sports journalism and applied to Northwestern's program and got in. So I spent a year uh, downtown Chicago and in Evanston kind of back and forth working through that program. And after that, that led me to my job with the Nuggets. So I, I absolutely loved my time, especially in Chicago. I mean, Chicago is one of the greatest cities in the country, I think. Um, and J.A. Adonde was the program leader when I was there. And, and he kind of took all of us sports people under his wing and helped us get started. It was the first year that they actually had a sports cohort in the journalism program at Medill. So I'm um, a, a proud founder <laughs> that I'm one of the first people to go through that program um, and it's one of the best programs in the country i think so i learned so much and it absolutely prepared me for my job with the nuggets and here in denver can't say enough good things about that it just was the it helped me grow into the the journalist or the entertainer that i am today <laughs> it's a little entertaining aspect of you gotta love it yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I, I I've got one more, um, one more, you know, little tidbit, I guess, question for Katie, I guess. Um, I, I don't want to make it all about Denver. So what do you think about what's going on in the Eastern Conference right now between the Boston Celtics? And uh, go for it.
5: Yeah. I mean, what a series. I think the East has surprised everybody yeah. in terms of just the entertainment value and what's been going on um, in the playoffs for them. I am like, Obviously I'm go nuggets, but I love the way that Miami has been playing. And I I mean, I have no, I don't care who wins that side. So it's been so fun to me just to be able to watch basketball for what basketball is. Uh, And the Celtics are so talented. And I think, I mean, they're going through some stuff right now in terms of figuring out who they really want to be and how their team is going to come together through some adversity. But I mean, Jimmy Butler, the way that he has Led that Miami team and and rebuilt them and changed their mindset in the way that they come out on the floor and what they represent and play for. I I just I've really enjoyed watching that Heat team play and the way that they play, the way that they defend, the energy and the toughness that they play with. I just I would I would love to see a Nuggets Heat finals (laughs) selfishly, Um, but I think that whoever comes out of the West is going to have a tougher time than maybe anybody thought that they would. Everybody had from the beginning of the season was like the Western conference is so much more loaded, so much more talent. Uh, The Western conference finals is going to be a better playoff series than the actual finals was, you know, a topic that was tossed around. And I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I think that, you know, the finals are going to be competitive and so fun to watch, regardless of who's in them, given the final four teams that are left and their stories to get to this point.
4: All right, Lamont. No, uh,
1: not, and not to take you back, you was mentioning Michael Porter earlier. Yeah. Question, if Michael Porter isn't that third wheel to step up and help Denver now and
5: going forward, who do you think it might be? I think that you're spot on. I think it has to be him moving forward. I think that he just – That's is- what
1: I was thinking going into this uh, series. That's what I was yeah. saying going into the series. I was telling my co-host that I think it has to be him, and I think he can
5: do it. I think he can too. And especially, I mean, the way he's played against the Lakers in that that last regular season game or seeding game, whatever they called them. Um yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think that he's the future of this franchise. Like, I think that it's going to be a big three type scenario uh, Michael Porter Jr., Nicole Jokic, and Jamal Murray. But with that being said, he's still so young. He's still, this is his first real playoff experience. As much as we would like it to be him, I think it's kind of unfair for us to say it has to be you every single game. And in the Clippers series, I think the the bench was more important in terms of what the Nuggets were putting on the floor and production wise, because the Clippers bench is so good. Um, Not that the Lakers bench isn't, but the Clippers bench, I mean, has the sixth man of the year and then who the sixth man of the year award will likely be named after someday coming off of their bench. So with that in mind, I think that he's still figuring it out. And I think, it's, it's, a, it's a fun process to be able to watch, and it's interesting to see him grow and learn in every single game that the Nuggets play. With that being said, it's going to be anybody on any given night, and I think that that's when the Nuggets are most dangerous, is when Paul Millsap has a 15-point quarter, or Gary Harris finishes with 18 one night and hits, you know, four threes, or... I mean, it could be Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's been shooting the ball really well for the Nuggets in that starting group. Um, I mean, we saw P.J. Dozier, who nobody knew who that was when he came on the floor in game two, and everybody was like, who the heck is this guy? And he played some really impactful minutes. So I think as much as we would like to say it's Michael Porter Jr. right now, I think absolutely that is the future. But right now it's going to be by committee, and the Nuggets are going to take whoever can give them anything at this point.
4: All right, good stuff. You listening to Katie Wenge of Altitude Sports who covers the Denver Nuggets. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Katie Wenge. And, Katie, I know we're running out of time, but you also host the Fantasy Football, which I think is online this year, with your co-hosts Brad Evans and Nate Lundy. Uh, in about maybe 45 seconds or less, uh, uh, you guys were on television for the last couple of years, but like as I mentioned, you guys are online this year. Tell our audience where they can catch that and how yeah. you guys look like you guys have so much fun doing uh, that uh, show.
5: It's a blast. That show is so much fun and Brad Evans and Nate Lundy are wicked smart and wickedly entertaining. It's so we just goof off for an hour. So if you want to have some laughs and and get some uh, predictions and and sports gambling is becoming such a big thing, right? And so fantasy is at the forefront of that. And so we give you over-unders every week with certain players. We give you our picks for the week. We do uh, a different lineup every single weekend or every single week. Um, And it's, we could just hit you with numbers. We could just hit you with those things, but the way in which it's delivered, I think is what sets us apart in a lot of ways and it's fun. So I highly recommend you guys check it out. If you're fantasy players, it's at ftnfantasy.com. That's Brad Evans company. It is on TV in a, a couple stations around the country. So we are still on there, but streaming online, ftnfantasy.com. It's a, an absolute blast. We'll give you, we'll hit you with some knowledge, but we'll also just like, hit you with some fun, so. Love it.
4: All right, we will support you any way we can, 100%. And thank you so much for joining us here today on City Sports. Uh, um, Hopefully the Nuggets can get back in the series, enjoy that series. And even though you were born and raised in Minnesota, we we will claim you as a Chicagoan. So uh, (laughs) you're doing great things, keep representing us. And uh, don't be a stranger to come back on this program again in the near future. Keep up the great work and we'll talk again soon, okay?
5: Thanks, Thank Katie, you so much. Appreciate the time, and don't count those nuggets out just yet. Oh, we I, won't. We know. We know we better won't. now. We know better now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, say, say, Katie. <laughs> Thank
3: Katie.
4: you, guys. All right, Katie. All right, that was Katie you once again of Altitude Sports. She covers the Denver Nuggets and also the Fantasy Football Hour. Catch her there, uh, guys. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest here. Uh, I was rooting for Denver last night in Game Two, of course. Anthony Davis had other things to say about that. But if Denver does not win game three, I think this series is over. But as Katie said, do not count out the Nuggets. But I feel a little bit different this time if the Nuggets go down 3-1. These are the Los Angeles Lakers. They can't do the same thing as they did against Utah or in the last series against the Clippers. This is a totally different team referring to the Los Angeles Lakers. So they must grab game three to even have a chance – of extending the series. Yeah, they got <clears> to <throat> win. They got to win game
1: three. And you was talking about that play earlier. They was talking about it. Jeremy Grant was a little confused on that last play. I think he should have just mm-hmm. stayed with with AD, and that may have changed the outcome of that situation. And purpose, I'm okay with LeBron taking a last-second jump shot. I, I don't think, or even last-second free throws. I, I mean I'd rather press my luck sometimes with him. I don't I don't look at him as that guy in that moment, even though he's hit a couple, but I will I will roll the dice on him shooting it. I would probably rather him taking a long distance shot than a AD. You know, that's just me right now, but yeah.
3: If, if it's a divine intervention, if you will, if you heard right after AD hit that shot, he yelled out Kobe. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to yeah. go up against that. So I think for me – Kobe that, made him do it. Uh, well, yeah, and, and for me, <laughs> if, if they wanted to make it a series, I think this was that was a game where they should have won it. So as Snoop Dogg said on his Instagram with uh, Jamal – I meant to ask Katie about that, but we were pressed for time. But he said – he told him, look, we're not the Clippers. <laughs> so – I, I don't think it's going to happen here. I think Denver will do enough. I think they'll look at the gentleman's sweep, but I don't see them. They'll probably win game three, but I don't see them winning the series.
0: No, I mean, I don't think any of us had them winning the series, you know, necessarily. I don't think any of us had them winning the series against the Clippers, though. I mean, but, again, two different teams, you know. But, but uh, what I will say is that, again, I, I, I anticipate Denver being right there with them in game three. I really can't make a prediction on it right now. But I I think, you know, in a lot of ways, the series has gone exactly the kind of the way I thought it would. I was not surprised by the blowout in game one at all. I thought that would sort of happen. You know, Clipper, I mean, uh, the Nuggets coming off of a game seven, a tough, long series from a comeback, obviously, with the Lakers being rested. Again, I I definitely envision that outcome. I thought they would play better in game two with the possibility to pull it out with a win. Obviously that didn't happen. You get a, you know, you get an, an all time shot from, from Anthony Davis. And again, I will live with that shot all day long. I, I really would. I will play the percentages there and it was still well defended. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think I said the series could go six and I'm, I'm still sticking with that.
1: You think they're going to figure something out, Jason? You think,
0: well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know if they, they figure anything out. You know what I mean? I think they just played better. I thought in game two, they played better. They were, the beneficiary of some better officiating, in my opinion, um, I, I think that really took them out of their rhythm in game one. I thought it was a tighter called game. I think that was to their advantage. And listen, they had a 103-102 lead with what was it, two two point one seconds left on the clock? You know, I mean, it, again, it, it it needs an all time shot to get beaten, right? And that's yep. kinda-
3: yeah, that I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens here. I mean, look, we'll, I know this. Well, look, we know the series isn't over yet, but we'll see how you know, game three that's pivotal for the Nuggets. Um, going to the Eastern Conference real quick, do you think the Celtics tie the series?
0: I, I do, I do, I, I fully well do. I, you know, I, I don't want to say Boston has figured something out to take uh, Lamont's, <laughs> Lamont's just saying right there, but I, I think Boston as. I think they were just a bit angry, you know. They they kind of didn't expect to be down two to one either. But um, I think Boston will tie it up.
4: Me too. I think Boston. I think Boston was tied up as well. I think Gordon Hayward was supposed to play. I know he was injured early in the playoff playoff uh, run there. I think Boston maybe figured something out a little bit. Miami's still a, a great defensive team. They're a well balanced team up and down their roster. But I think Boston has to grab game four or this series is over. Well. So I think they'll they'll tie it up in game four. Miami hasn't really been um, challenged that much until this series. So if Boston could grab game four, this is a totally different series.
1: But if you remember, Sid, I think they're going to tie it up because you remember before this game, I told y'all, more Haywood, less smart. And I think going forward, more Haywood, less smart, and they can get past Miami.
3: Should be very interesting these last series. So... All right, let's go to the baseball diamond real quick. Um, both the Cubs and the White Sox lose their respective series this weekend. So, any concerns you guys have for either team as we get, like, down the home stretch here?
4: I'll start off. Uh, the White Sox, they lose two out of three to the Cincinnati Reds, but I'm not worried about that too much. They've clinched the playoff spot, but I think, I think it's safe to say they'll clinch the division as well by the time we meet up on our next podcast at the end of the week. But I, I was really impressed by Dallas Keiko, who made his return from injury. He had a great performance on Saturday night at Cincinnati. Even though he didn't earn the win, he didn't qualify for the win on record. He pitched his you-know-what off. And, Jose, bro, you, I said it on Twitter and Instagram, if you follow me, If this guy isn't your MVP for the AL for 2020, something's wrong with you.
0: Lamar. I agree with Lamar. you,
4: said. I
1: mean, with him, with him hitting the way he always hit the correct hit and the timely hit and the hit he's supposed mm-hmm. to hit. And as you say, I'm not worried about the White Sox too much. I think with the Cubs situation, that Alec Mills situation, I think he has to be that guy going to the bullpen simply because I think his stuff moves better. Coming yeah. out of that bullpen, he might give some teams some problems in the playoffs. So I think the Cubs going to figure that out in the next two or three days. But I think that's what's going to happen
0: yeah re- really quick for me uh for the white Sox, not not really surprised um they're on the road and cincinnati is kind of good so <laughs> there's not not too too much of a surprise to get taken two out of three on the road but not too worried about the cubs either even though they lost their series at home listen darvish can't be darvish all the time you know he made a couple of mistakes max kepler touched him up for. i think that was a two-run home run um and that was kind of the difference really more concerned with the bats. Obviously they need to be more consistent. They really haven't been all season and that's probably going to be their downfall. Um, But, but Alec Mills, I agree with you there, Lamont. uh, He's probably got to be the guy to go to the bullpen. We'll see what happens. I mean, they got a couple more days to sort of figure things out They're They're going to make the playoffs. They just haven't clinched yet. And I know that that sort of has Cubs fans biting their nails a little bit. Um, But you know, whether they do now or a couple of days from now, it really doesn't matter for me. Um, They've got to hit the ball with more consistency, Um, and then you know we'll we'll see how things play out from there.
3: Yeah, I'm not worried about neither of them, honestly. I mean, look, the White Sox, like I said, the Red Team is okay, so I wasn't expecting them. They kind of sort of last a little bit, you know. I, I think that they don't be surprised if a couple of those guys end up resting since we're down to, like, the last week of this, you know, abbreviated season. Minnesota clinched a playoff spot there with because of that, you know, winning the series against the Cubs, so that helps now a little bit. I'm not worried about the Cubs either. They do need to kind of pick up on their batting, if you will. They're still up, and, look, the Cardinals still have a lot of games they got to make up, so I think that's going to be their downfall, will be fatigue, so I'm not too worried about that. I think, I think the Cubs' match number to clinch is, like, five or six because of that. So just just keep doing your thing, and I think they'll be fine. They're going to get in the playoffs. I think they'll end up winning the division, too. I'm not too worried about that. So as a whole in the MLB, um, any surprises? What things are you guys expecting to see? We've got one week left.
0: Yep. Look out for the Yankees. Um, I know we've kind of trashed them a little bit, you know, in this short and weird MLB season. Yeah, it's been me. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll point it you right. You want say it's me. been you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, but, you know, they, they, I mean, look, they're healthy, right? They're, I mean, they're, they're, they're healthy. And when they're healthy, they're really, really good, and they're going to be tough to beat.
4: I'll go with the surprise team in baseball right now. I know they're they're playing the Colorado Rockies starting tonight. It's the San Francisco Giants. Uh, We called them the AARP team last year for good reason, but for all of a sudden, for this year, this is a team that no one's talking about. I know they got old man Evan Longoria. They have um, Brandon Crawford, he's still playing shortstop, still hitting home runs. Can they um, wrap up uh, the wild card spot by the end of this week? When regular season ends, it it should be fun. But they got to tell it's in San Francisco, by the way, so they should be able to handle the Rockies uh, by the bay,
1: and I'm I'm nervous that the Yankee snowball will continue. <laughs> I mean, it looks like they are trying to run away with everything. I, I, I'm nervous that it may happen. So, and I don't want us to run into a bus so called the New York Yankees right now.
3: Yeah, I, I, as we I, mentioned
4: our last podcast, they're healthy.
3: Yeah, that's and that's the key. They've won nine. I know they lost last night, but they've won nine in a row and. You know, if they're healthy, the Yankees are tough to beat, and I know that that Garroco's time to kind of figure out a little bit. So if he figures it out, plus the bats and if they stay healthy, look out. Um, the Padres clinched the playoff spot, so it has the A's. So things are starting to take shape here. So you know, with the with the Blue Jays finally for that those that last slot, also the Indians, Houston can make it interesting in the end, and in the end in the NL. We'll see if the Marlins and the Phillies, can they kind of make a dent? Does somebody else besides the Cubs and Cubs, you know, come out of the the National League Central? So there's still a lot of, you know, decisions, you know, plus positioning to be made.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to touch it, and you did, uh, Lakina, real quick on the Marlins. Um, Sixto Sanchez is looking unhittable right now. (laughs) I mean, he's just looking unhittable, and if not for a sort of slow start, uh, actually, I don't think he started the season right off the bat. We could be talking about him for a Cy Young award winner.
4: Also, too, look out for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I know they clinched everything underneath the sun this season, but as we said before, let's see what they do come play all time. I'm not saying the road is easy paving the way for them, but I'm just waiting to see what happens with the, the boys and blue out there on the West Coast. See, you can call the Dodgers the Missouri Dodgers, they going to have to show me. Good one. You <laughs> nice. should make it into a T-shirt.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, I think that's a lot of people will feel that way, Lamont. So don't feel bad. Um, going, to, you know, going to some rapid fire. Because he's, he's got some time left. Uh, college football. Did you guys see any of the games? You know, anything that impressed you?
0: Yeah, Miami. Yeah. Uh, yes. Miami and D.R. King transferred from Houston. Uh, I know there was some controversy behind that last year. I remember talking about it with you, Um, But, you, I mean, he looks like he's found a home in Miami. They look pretty impressive. Had to hold off Louisville there a little bit. Um, but but uh, looked look very impressive. And I think that was the only ranked game of the week between two ranked teams.
1: Yeah. I think I think he going to bring life back to Miami. I think he going to bring an attitude back to Miami, which is sorely needed, sorely <laughs> needed in Miami. And speaking of Miami... I'm in college football at the same time. Shout out to Deion Sanders right now. Yes. I think he's going to bring some energy to the SWAC. And I'm rooting and I can't wait to try to get down there and see it happen. So I think Deion Sanders is going to bring some energy going to the SWAC. Coaching Jackson State, I can't wait till we go over there and play him. I'm going to find a way to make my way down there to do something involved when he comes to Louisiana. So I'm, I'm going to keep y'all posted on that one.
4: And hopefully you can get him on the show. I'm going to try. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, like, i went to you, when I'm in Louisiana oh yeah if you look at you know, the introductory presser I mean that is so like prime time the only way he yeah. can probably get introduced that way we'll see what he does he's been apparently he lobbied for the Florida State job for like two, two, two times since since uh, Jimbo Fisher left so I know well, we'll see if he can do him listen he says he can coach I mean he coached high school for a little bit they did very well we'll see what he can do
1: I think it's like a show-me job. I think they sent them down there to show me you know what you're doing and we might give you a shot
4: somewhere else. I think that's what it was about. I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. Um, Just scanning through the college games from Saturday, I noticed that in some places the crowds were small, in particular Oklahoma State and I believe Notre Dame as well. But as we talked about uh, last week, Lamont, I think if the numbers start to improve, the positivity rate in some of these states, you're going to slowly see larger crowds. Uh, it's not happening yet, but especially on these college campuses, you, uh, the crowd, uh, the attendance will start to increase a little bit more. It looks yep. like it's that way in some of these states, but it's not quite. It's only at 20% capacity, 25% capacity at most. But as hopefully the situation continues, we get it under control and talk about COVID. I think you'll start to see a, a full house in some of these colleges. You're yeah, not going to go have any tailgate half, this at year. The least the
1: house approved. That- at least half the stadiums, probably. If they don't go full house, they're going to go 50%, 60%. I can see that. Yeah. Going down the stretch, especially like going down them last two or three weeks into the season, yeah, I, I can see that happening, especially in them southern states.
0: Listen, Oklahoma State's problem isn't the crowds. It's their offense, okay? They needed a, a doggone second half comeback to beat Tulsa, for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know Tulsa's sort of good, but I mean, they, they've got their own problems to worry about.
3: Yeah, they basically had to start from scratch. So, yeah, I <laughs> think they, they had to go to their, their third string quarterback. So, but also, you know, like you said, Jason Deere King, I think they might have finally found their quarterback. Manny Diaz has in Miami that defense, you know, like you said, they had to kind of like, you know, stave off Louisville late, but you know, a couple of garbage touchdowns for the Cardinals, but I mean, it, 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 it's fine. I, I mean, we'll see, especially now that the SEC, they're coming back this weekend. We'll talk about that on Friday's pod, but uh, yeah, like you, like you guys said, I'm not looking at, I'm not liking some of those crowds, you know, some of those folks aren't wearing masks. So especially now that you got the second wave happening in Europe, it might be coming here. I'm just saying, folks. Just be careful.
4: Wear your mask no matter what.
3: <laughs> and wash your hands. Yes. All right. Quick shout out uh Bryson DeChambeau for winning the 120th US Open down in oh 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 I say up and wave up in upstate New York. He just hammered that ball like he was the only player under par. He totally changed his game. You know, Pete. Played that course like it was not a U.S. Open course and was able to succeed and just I think he we've talked about him for the last couple of years, Jason and I think this is a guy that could definitely win multiple majors and I, I think he I think he will.
0: Yeah, this could kind of start him along, right? I mean, uh, listen, he played an outstanding fourth round, um, up in wing foot. I mean, I think yeah, I believe like you said, you're right. He was the only player under par in in that final day. Um, Listen, Wing foot is a, is a you know, a pretty tough golf course, it's, you know, as, as everybody was saying, as we were waiting to see, especially after day one, but DeChambeau made it look easy. And again, I mean, this could probably spur him on to a, a few big more wins in his career. I agree with you, Lakeena.
3: Four, Yeah, he gained like 44 pounds of muscles. So if, you, if, you, if you saw what, how he looked then yeah. and how he looked now, how he, how he looked when he first won his first PGA event to now, I mean, he, he had like 44. Four pounds of muscle. And, you know, a lot of people thought he was crazy for doing that. But, I mean, he, he, look, he, he looked, he looked, you know, he hammered that ball and he just like a
0: champion is what he looks like.
3: Oh, yeah. Look, I, like, I, like, like we were saying, I mean, he could, he could be one of those guys that could probably, you know, we, you know, for, for the last few years since, you know, Tiger and Phil have gotten older, we've been wondering, like, okay, who among the American side of players that can, kind of take over that, sort of that, you know, that, that sort of be on the top of that tier. I mean, Bruce Koepka was there for a couple of years. Unfortunately, his injuries have kind of gotten the best to him so far. Jordan Spieth, I mean, he, you know, he, you know, played well, well for like a couple of years and he kind of tapered off. So we'll see if, you know, Champeau could be totally, di- could be different for them.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially like you said, as, as the Americans are definitely, desperately, Needing somebody to sort of carry on the torch. Um, hopefully he can beat that guy.
3: And you got any
0: thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, let's see. Um, no game four in the Eastern Conference until Wednesday, I believe. So we've got a couple of days left for that. But uh, game three in the Western Conference is tomorrow. So hopefully Denver can, can make this thing more of an interesting series.
4: Yeah. And I'm looking forward to uh, Denver and the Lakers resume the Western Conference Finals. Denver is a must for them to win Game Three and make this a longer series uh, for uh, for the Lakers and for themselves as well. And we're heading down the whole stretch in baseball, so I'm looking forward to that. And we'll uh, in our next podcast, we'll get you ready for Bears, Falcons, and the rest of the Week Three action from the National Football League. Some
1: great
3: games and coming up in Week Three.
1: I'm 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 hoping that the girls can get back on the court. You know, they postponed that Minnesota-Seattle yeah. game. And Las Vegas is primed to take this championship with their MVP, Angel Wilson. So, you know, Derek and Hanby over there, my buddy. So I'm, I'm wishing that the girls can go ahead and try to finish it out. They have made it through the bubble all the way up to now, and now we get a game cancellation. So that was a little disappointing. So I'm hoping they can get a good result tomorrow or whatever and get back on the court and finish that up.
3: I hope so, because Asia Wilson is probably one of the best sort of, you know, women's players out there, and I remember seeing her in college. They won a championship in her senior year, and, you know, she she definitely deserved getting the MVP. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's the real deal. Yeah, she is, definitely, so hopefully they like can like
1: I say, I, I'm a Derrick Hamby. She won that sixth okay. woman of the year, so they ready. I it's hope just, they, they... They don't got no
3: opponent. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope they can figure that out. I mean, I don't know what happened there. That that for for those who don't know, there were some positive uh COVID testing, so that's why they had to cancel. And now it may be a while before they can come back. So I hope they can because the WBA has had a lot of momentum in the bubble, playing the bubble. So yeah, I hope so. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to like you, like you guys said, you know, the conference finals. I mean, they had to like put the Lakers and Nuggets ahead because they had to catch up with the Eastern Conference because they were far ahead. So I can see why they did that. So once that happens, it'll be all catch up. So I hope the I hope the Celtics can kind of like not throw things if they don't win, if they, they don't win. So I, <laughs> <laughs> the, the I Cel- hope look, the I hope Celtics to will be okay, things. man.
1: Once they realize what they want to be they can't realize what they want to be man and once they do that I think they'll be fine and like I said still more hay with less smart and I think they play better
3: (laughs) you should put that on a t-shirt I guess Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Uh, yeah I'm also looking forward to tonight's Monday night football game I want (laughs) to see I want to see how good the Saints your Saints look Lamont
1: I want to see how good the Raiders stadium look (laughs) when they lose in it it, 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 and I think the Saints gonna be okay. I mean, ah. and I'm not just being a homer in that thing. I think they they gonna they
0: gonna win. You are such a homer,
1: but yes, that's all right. Totally,
3: <laughs> but that's okay. I'll, I'll say that, that that's fine. You 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 earned the <laughs> right. <rice. laughs> on that note, you can follow me at. Q-Q- are you gonna put any legal money? Uh, oh yeah. Legal, huh? legal are you gonna legal put any gambling. money on that Lamont? Gambling. What tonight? Legal day? gambling. No.
4: Yeah. Gambling,
1: uh-huh. You know, I don't. We don't gamble on Second City Sports. Uh,
3: it's legal now. Come on. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Not yet. Uh, just real, real quick. If anybody that knows a a, a legal sports betting company they want to advertise with us and at uh, War Media here at Second City Sports, please reach out to us. Please, please, please. Okay. Sponsors, right. please.
3: Well, we can we can use uh, the sponsorship the absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's yes legal legal gambling kids you know it's legal now folks just this is just a reminder on that note, <laughs> you follow me at kina mcgee on twitter at kina underscore mcgee on the instagram you can
1: follow me at lamont scott on facebook lamont scott 69 on instagram and twitter
0: you can follow me at truth and reason underscore on the twitter you can follow the show's twitter handle at two N D C S C H I. follow us we follow back Want to give a shout out to uh, Derek Tate, a good friend, um, printed the show about for about a year now, coming on with us for a good part of that first hour, giving us some fantasy insight and also talking about some football. Um, it's been a couple of weeks, but we should have a new episode of The Go Route coming up at you this week. You can get it wherever you consume your podcast.
4: You can follow yours truly, SidKid80, on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's sidkid I D eight zero. That's sidkid I D eight zero. You can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. And you can download this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other uh, podcast programming from War Media. Just type in War on Anchor, which keeps you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes, everywhere. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you look up War on Anchor. And we're also on iHeartRadio. Please download the iHeartRadio app and type in War on Anchor in the search engine box. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. And voila, we're there. We're also on YouTube. Just type in on your search engine boxes on YouTube, War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. And we're right there. You can watch this show as well. And we also like to thank Katie Winchy from Altitude Sports out there in Colorado. She covers the different Nuggets. She's a now official friend of the show, so hopefully the Nuggets can make a, a, a great uh, comeback and make, it, make this Western Conference Finals a, a series, and she also does um, the Fantasy Football Hour, which you can watch online. If you the way you can catch it, just go back, rewind, and listen to the interview with Katie Winsley. She'll give you all that information as well, where you can catch her in the Fantasy Football Hour show online
3: absolutely and uh there's never too many sports i've seen people complain about oh there was so much sports on that you know come on guys we we were out sports for like three or four months, so we earned the right to to be able to kind of turn back and forth between different sports so i'm just saying no complaints from here so for the guys i'm lakina this has been state sports zoom style and please keep your hands washed you know, wear your mask correctly and just be good to each other
4: see you next time holla